Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the second in our series on the Psalms. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and it's my honor to serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. This is our second podcast on this topic. If you are curious for an overview, you may go back and listen to last week's intro podcast that covers the basics of the Psalms and the Psalter as a whole. Today, we're going to look specifically at the qualities of Psalms of Praise. (laughs) Yay. So last week, you said there was no particular author and there's no particular rhyme or reason to how they were grouped. It's Mm -hmm. not book one is all praise, book two is all something, something. Right. So what makes a Psalm of Praise? Great question. A Psalm of Praise can be a Psalm that is either the speaker is either an individual or a group. Okay. You would tell the difference by saying either like, God, I praise you, or God, we praise you. Okay. So there you go. An easy difference between what we'll call corporate praise or group praise or individual praise. And we'll dive deeper into what each of these different things are. But you're looking for, when you're looking at the difference between group and personal, it's really the speaker. And is it an I or a we statement? Okay. Fair enough. Easy enough. Easy enough. So Psalms of Praise can be found all throughout the entire Psalter, scattered around all the different books. Easy to find by looking at the beginning and the end psalm of each of the books, and the beginning, the first psalm number one, and the last, Psalm 150, of the entire Psalter. Okay, so even though there's no set order for any obvious reason, they still begin and end each book with a happy tone. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, which I think is kind of fascinating. Well, yeah, you can't leave them hanging. It's like the middle series of a trilogy is always the hardest because it's usually <laughs> usually the sad cliffhanger. Right. It's yeah, no good. It's true. It's you don't true. want to end that way. I've got papers. So if you hear rustling papers, it's because I actually have some handouts. Oh, my. Because what we're doing through this podcast is we're actually giving you access to a curriculum that I've You're taught. learning things <laughs> even more than you thought you would be otherwise <laughs> listening to a podcast. That's right. We decided to go ahead and pull a curriculum that I've taught at various different congregations throughout the years. I've written this up based on the class that I took in seminary, and we could probably turn these into PDFs and, put them and on actually the website. make mm-hmm. them available for totally. folks to be able to download them and take a look. There are a couple of reference books that we are using, and so I will just say that Dr. Lindbergh's commentary on the Psalms and Dr. May's commentary on the Psalms through Westminster Bible and the Interpretations series are both fantastic commentaries. And don't feel like you have to run back and get a pen and paper. I'll nope. put all of this on yep. the website. Yep. But I wanted to, as a respectable scholar, give, sure. give cite, your sources. Cite, cite my sources. Mm-hmm. And so those are two of the sources that I really leaned on in creating this. And they're also the way that they type Psalms and the way that we're going to be talking about them comes from these particular scholars. Okay. So there may be other ways that people codify and break them apart, but I'm going with this method. So looking specifically for an example, if you are near your cell phone that you want to pull up some scripture to take a look at, or if you have a Bible near you, you can certainly actually open a hard copy. There's a novel idea. That's crazy. I know, right? 
But if you don't have a hard copy of a Bible near you, you can go to BibleGateway.com on any device that you can get to the internet and then type in Psalm 113. We're going to use that as our base to kind of talk about the anatomy of a hymn of praise. Okay. And what you'll see there is you'll see two basic elements. Okay. That are going to make it obvious that this is a hymn of praise. Like, everybody get in on this. Let's give God praise. Okay. And remember, there's no set length of these. Right. And there's not necessarily a meter or whatnot. Right. We're purely talking content. Purely talking content, doing a little bit of literary criticism in our biblical study here. Okay. And this is not even looking specifically at how it makes us feel or how we encounter it. And our this is purely looking at the grammar. Okay. And purely looking at what's there. All right. Hit me. And so what we have is we have a call to praise in the imperative mood. Do you remember from your English grammar classes what imperative Yeah, is? that's the thing like sit. Exactly. Exactly. So the first verse is praise the Lord. Okay. Right? It's imperative. It's pretty direct and obvious. It's direct. It's directive. So the first verse is praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. It's giving clear directions. Mm -hmm. This is what you're going to do. And so a hymn of praise, this kind of group thing, has a call to praise in the imperative mood. So okay. you're being told to do it. And then the next section is going to continue with reasons for you to do so. Okay. And reasons for praise. So you get this... Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time on forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, glory above the heavens. Right? It's giving you reasons. God should be praised because God is above everything else. God mm -hmm. should be praised because, verse 7, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with princes of his people. He gives the barren women a home, makes her the joyous mother of children. These are the reasons why we should be praising God, because God does these amazing things. Okay. And then the psalm ends with, again, a call to praise in the imperative mood. So it ends with, praise the Lord. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Right? Mm -hmm. So when you look at these hymns of praise or, or songs of praise or psalms, right, of praise, you're really looking and you're going to find... You're being told to praise God. You're being told to give glory to God. You're being given reasons why you should. And then again, you're being told to give God honor. And that is kind of the anatomy of what makes a psalm of praise. Do these make up most of the psalms? Half of the psalms? I don't know that they do. Okay. And when you try to type a psalm, when you try to contain it, mm -hmm. it's going to jump to something else, right? So that psalm of praise right there, while it is clearly a psalm of praise, it also gives history. It also tells story. Sure. Right? So is it a history psalm or is it a praise psalm? Well, yes, it's both. Back to the both and. Right? So I would say, instead of wondering how many of them are there, do they make up the most of the Psalter? What do you feel like when you encounter that? How does that affect how you feel? That idea to give God praise because God lifts up the lowly and gives children to people who want children. 
what is that? We see signs of it throughout our history. We see it. We've experienced it. People we love have experienced these things. It's the ideal. It's not always the case, but this is a psalm of praise, right? So we're looking at the positive. We're looking at the successes. We're looking where the good stuff has happened. And what kind of a response does that call up in you? How do you want to go about giving praise to God? It doesn't tell you how to do it. That particular psalm doesn't tell you how. There are others that are like, praise God with harp and lyre and trumpet. and <laughs> <laughs> They're giving specifics. They're, like, they're giving you directions. But this one doesn't. This one just says, give praise. So how do you give praise in response to a God who is above all things and a God who values lifting up the lowly and giving children to people? Like, what does that call to you to do? So it's a whole different way of instead of just trying to say, well, 32 of the 150 Psalms are Psalms of praise. And someone has probably absolutely counted them. I'm less interested in that. Fair and enough. more interested in saying they're scattered all over the place, all throughout the entire Psalter. Which makes more sense because life is much more up and down than it is. Right? All joy. Right? And it's beautiful that we begin and end there. It's helpful, yes. So then there's another side. There's another sheet that I have here is this a Thanksgiving song of an individual, which okay. is otherwise known as personal praise. So the other one is kind of corporate, right? It could be aimed at anybody. It could be aimed at everybody. Mm-hmm. This one is a specific person's story. In some ways, we might think of these as the testimonial. Okay. In a way, this is the opportunity for an individual to say, look at what God has done in my life. And I am so amazed and grateful for God. So an example of this. Yes, please. Is Psalm number 116. Okay. So again, if you have it handy, go ahead and pull that out. If you have the worksheet, if you've downloaded it from our website, you can do that. And for those of you who listen to us via iTunes, for the links and the PDFs and things like that, you can go to centralportland.org and then click on podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's right in the center of the screen and really easy. So just click on that. It'll take you right there. You can choose the week and you'll find the links to be able to download and to see these things. So Psalm number 116 is an example of a personal praise. And it begins with verse 1 and 2 kind of making up this first piece of what makes a personal psalm of praise. And that is a summary of specific experience and a vow to call on God. So I love the Lord. Immediately, you know, it's a personal, right? Because we said, I, Mm -hmm. I love the Lord because God has heard my voice and my supplications. That's why I love God because God has heard my voice and my supplications because God inclined God's ear to me. Therefore, I will call on God as long as I live. So a personal experience Mm -hmm. and a vow to always call on God. Then the next piece is a story of deliverance. So it's your hardship story, your hard luck story. I'm going to call on God because whatever reason. So in Psalm 116, we get the snares of death encompassed me. Okay. Near-death experience. Sure. This person was, I suffered distress and anguish. I called on God to save me. And God is gracious and merciful and God protects the simple. And when I was low, God saved me. 
And so you have verses eight, you delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I kept my faith even when I said I'm greatly afflicted. I said in my consternation, everyone is a liar, right? We've been in those dark places Mm -hmm. where we don't trust anything. And still I believed that God was going to be there and God got me through it. So we start with a summary of specific experience and a vow to praise God. And then you hear like, what happened? Mm -hmm. And this person has come to the edge of death and persevered. The next piece is a vow to praise and trust God. So starting at verse 12, we see in 116 that the remainder of the psalm, it's filled with words of praise, gratitude, and a promise to share this story with the wider community. Okay. And so we get the very end, and it's all still saying, I, I am your servant. I will offer you praise. I will pay my vows. But it ends just like the other psalm of praise with that imperative. Praise the Lord. An imperative for everyone. Yep. Okay. And so the personal praise, again, it starts out with, I'm going to praise God because God's awesome. Here's why God is awesome, because I went through this horrible, horrible time in my life, Mm -hmm. and I almost died, but God was still there. And because of that, I'm going to give God my life. And God is awesome, and I believe that, and I know that to be true. Give God praise. That's the shape of it, the form of it, when it comes to personal. Excellent. So we never actually got to whether or not people still write Psalms. Mm-hmm. And if you were to, what would you suggest? Well, this is a great example of like a metric of how to write them out, right? As we look at these anatomies of these different Psalms, we can still write them. I think God is still obviously active in our lives and poetry can still be written at any time. So sure, we can absolutely try to not write gonna one Not going to get published in the Bible, but that's not necessarily the goal. Exactly. So you could choose to write one of group corporate praise. Mm -hmm. So again, you just do that imperative mood and then reasons why God should be praised and end with the imperative. Or maybe you have a really hard story in your life that brought you to trusting in God in a huge and powerful way. And so if you were to write a Thanksgiving psalm of praise for your life, ponder through what part of your story would you tell? How would you write that? Mm-hmm. So the question would be, what story would you share? Mm-hmm. Who would you share it with? Begin with that imperative. Begin with that promise and reason why you praise God. Go with your story and go as deep as you want in your story. There's no length description. There's no necessity nope. to do anything in particular. No iambic pentameter. You can just write whatever's there and end with that imperative call to praise. And there you have a personal psalm of thanksgiving. Excellent. You may be uh, continuing to read through your book of psalms if you've taken the challenge to read through an entire book and keep a journal. And it may be that you find a particular psalm of praise within that book that you want to model yours after. But as you're reading through, if you can see these different elements, you can mark that psalm as a psalm of praise and then maybe take a hand at writing your own. That sounds wonderful. Well, last question then, 
Are they used more in worship? Psalms because praise? yeah, because they're praising and alleluia and praise the Lord and all that happy joy joy good stuff. Or is it certain seasons? Like I'm guessing these are pretty popular around Easter. Right. It's a good time to pull these out. Yeah, definitely Easter season. I think that they crop up here and there, definitely more so than like the acrostic historical psalms. <laughs> I can't wait to get more about those. <laughs> But in general, I think they're, I don't know. Okay. I should say I don't know. Because I don't know that I always pay a ton of attention to how they show up in worship. Fair enough. Yeah. It's a good question. If people want to start looking at the lectionary and start numbering them out. Give us some feedback. Give us some feedback. You can send it to us on our Facebook page. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the Psalms of Praise. I look forward to sitting down with you next week on another psalm topic. Indeed, as do I. I hope that you are enjoying this journey through the Psalter with us. Continue to take time for that journaling. Take time to encounter the psalms. Let us know how it's going. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org by email or find us on Facebook. Until we are in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.